High-waisted pants flatter no one. Guess what you're getting for Christmas. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's really sweet is they met because she had to come in and see him to get the mold for her fake breast stuff. Oh. <laughs> I am the shadow of the moon at night, filling your dreams to the brim with fright. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. Darn right, this is Halloween. <laughs> that time of year. And we went back and forth. Which version of that song to use? The original? From the Nightmare Before Christmas, but we went with the Marilyn Manson. Right. Got that creepy vibe. Yep, I always love that song. So Marilyn Manson bringing us in with This Is Halloween as we talk about our favorite Halloween movies that aren't part of the Halloween franchise. That's right. Non-franchise Halloween films. (laughs) We tried to get the longest title we possibly could. (laughs) But you know what we mean, because you talk about the favorite Halloween movies, you know what's going to be number one. Sure, absolutely. Uh, So we'll just get rid of all that completely. It's the time we did a blog post a few years ago about our favorite young actresses not named Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) That's right. Remember that? (laughs) Which I think Jennifer Lawrence actually liked. She did. On some sort of social media, unless it was somebody posting for her. Anyway... Welcome back. This is the Fright Club Podcast, and I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from madwolf.com. And first, we have to say a huge, huge, greasy thank you <laughs> to everybody that came out last time for our, our most well-attended event ever in the Fright Club Live series. It was fantastic. It was super fun. As we showed the Greasy Strangler and had fun talking about food in horror. I was really glad because, I'll be honest, I was going to be disappointed if we didn't get a great crowd to see the Greasy Strangler. And boy, we did. As I said, our best crowd ever. They were great. You could tell it on the podcast. Everybody hooping and hollering because, as we have said many times, that is a movie. It's crazy anyway, but it's so fun to see with a crowd. It really is. Like The Room, the way The Room is, the way Rocky Horror is. I mean, it's just, it's fun to get other people's reactions. It's one of those movies you can't help but occasionally talk back. Oh, you yeah. know, and uh, and it's, it's, so it's just a yeah, oh my god. So it's just really, really fun to watch with a group. And it's almost like you're in a club once you've seen it, <laughs> you know. And so the people that haven't seen it probably think you're annoying because you get somebody going has, back. And you, forth you meet and back up with forth. somebody that has seen it, and you're oh okay, yeah. So I was glad we were able to bring so many other people into the fold because, as you heard on that podcast, we asked early on how many people haven't seen this, and about half the room, yeah, and which which was great, yes, uh, which made everybody happy. So loved everybody it, loved except it, loved one. So our friend Pete, Podcaster Pete. We call him Podcaster Pete Steve Carell. Right, we do. <laughs> For those of you that remember Produce Pete Steve yeah. Carell. Anyway, yeah, he wasn't he digging it. He has a bunch of great podcasts actually about media. So check him out, uh, MindsetDigital.com. You can find his podcast there. Anyway, he and his wife come. And I think Jody, his wife is Jody, is more of a uh, horror fan than he is. And he tweeted at us. He says the Greasy Strangler defeated him. <laughs> They had to leave. <laughs> so I hope they stayed long enough to see the Jody scene. I sure hope they stayed yeah, for the Jody scene because that is a classic, especially if your name is Jody. Yep. So sorry about that, uh, Podcast Pete, Steve Carell. Glad you came. <laughs> sorry that defeated you, but uh, please come back. Yes, please do. So we had a couple of complaints, uh, our friend Silas. So we explained at the beginning, I used the movies Troll 2 and The Stuff to explain sort of our rules which got me out of having to include Troll 2 or the stuff in the countdown. And Silas was peeved because he wanted to see (laughs) one of the two at least in there. And then um, Monty 
Kane. Now, Monty, uh, we, we've, we've corresponded with him uh, in social media before, but to my knowledge, this was the first one that he came to. Well, he won the hat. I know he won the hat, and it super pissed off the people he was there with, D-Zach <laughs> and Old Man... Uh, old Man Spencer. Old Man Spencer. Yeah, they were not digging it. But no. yeah, he, he posted a few social media pictures of him in that hat, which was great, by the way. You know, you come, you get a prize. That's right. That's how that works. That's right. D-Zach can't complain. Remember, he won Twizzler stuff like 90 times in a row. That's come right. on. That's right. So, And also thanks to Richard, who wrote a really nice review of the event. He's come to a few Fright Clubs, and uh, appreciate that, Richard. So a lot going on. It was a great crowd, as as we said. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the next one. It is going to be, we've got an early one this uh, this month, <laughs> yeah, or next yeah, month, yeah. November, since November 1st is a Wednesday. We always do the second Wednesday of every month. We're going to be right back there on Wednesday, November the 8th. Yes. And we're going to be showing, we're going to, we lightened up the mood a little bit with Greasy Strangler. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. we're going to darken up the mood. Yes, right? we are. The film is called Big Bad Wolves and is brilliant. It's such a great, great movie. It's, it's Israeli. We're going to be talking about Middle Eastern horror, which I'm excited about because I, it's a fairly sort of new burgeoning uh, genre for Middle Eastern cinema. There's just not that many. You go back maybe five, six years at most. So I'm excited to talk about it and to show Big Bad Wolves, which is really amazing, an amazing movie. That'll be great. So yeah, we'll be back at Gateway Film Center, November the 8th. Speaking of, Gateway Film Center, where we just got done with a fantastic event, the Nightmares Film Festival. So great. You know, you've heard us talking about it. we got to say, we'll talk about it a little bit more here on the podcast coming up, but we've got to say a big thank you to Fright Clubber Letitia from Texas. Uh, she came, she made the, the trip, and she brought two friends with her, Jasmine, Jasmine and Maisha. And and so uh, I'm almost more ha- uh, excited for them that they would have come all this way because they're not horror movie they fans. Said they said they were just there to support her, nice which was great. That? So it was great to meet all three of you. And the, it was kind of a, a catch-22 because we kept looking for them. We wanted to maybe buy them a drink and introduce them around, but you know why we couldn't see them? Because they were in there watching movies, right. which is why the you're there. That's exactly the right. So, so good for you. We good wish, thinking. We wish we could have spent more time, but we totally understand, and uh, I know they, they sent a couple of messages about that they loved it, and they'll be back next year. Yay. So that is fantastic. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you guys. All right, let's get to it. It's non-franchise Halloween movies. Any rules besides not being in the Hollywood Halloween franchise that was it that was it and I'm including the Rob Zombie non-canon franchise films in my franchise list not that they would have made it anyway because you know how I feel about yeah I'm with you but that's a good that's a good thing to clear up right away all right well let's start right at number five ten teenagers party at an abandoned funeral parlor on Halloween night which is rarely a good idea (laughs) <laughs> when an evil force awakens, demonic spirits keep them from leaving and turn their gathering into a living hell. From not seen this one correct well i've seen the dance scene. the dance scene because this was included in in horror dances so yes. that's all i've seen okay because you would hate this movie <laughs> you know you know it's just one of those it's one of those just bad churn them out campy 80s you know it was like 1988 uh i love this movie it's it's terrible i love it anyway and it's funny because among the things that are terrible about it it honestly has 
the worst, most cardboard stale dialogue you've ever heard. It's almost the one character, his dialogue is written like he's a dock worker from the 40s or something. It's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Sal. It's so stupid. They all get together because naturally it makes good sense not only to have a uh, Halloween party at an abandoned funeral parlor, which, by the way, is uh, it, it, it was like built on sacred land above a a demonic water source or something, sure, of course. Of course yeah. But of course, naturally, then they do a seance as soon as they get there, because that's just why. That's right. Yeah. But uh, the reason, there are reasons to love it. It's campy and ridiculous, and it has a great, outstanding, like, goth 80s soundtrack that I love. And of course, the dream, or excuse me, the dance sequence where Angela becomes Demon Angela, which is like the pinnacle of goth cinema right there. Uh, so the whole thing takes place on Halloween. There's also this fun bookend about this grumpy old man giving out trick-or-treat candy, which I always love, and I love the way they revisit it at the end. It's not a good movie. It's not. But it's a really fun, bad movie. Well, the the great thing is then how much money it made, because it was made for a very modest... Oh, obviously. $1.2 million, <laughs> really. That seems high. But it racked up outrageously large grosses in its limited release. It just debuted in Detroit, and then it hit New York at Thanksgiving, and and earned you know over three million dollars. It held some screens till the end of the year, and actually they estimated that if it had opened nationwide and got the same reaction that it got just in Detroit, it would have been among the top-grossing horror films of the decade. Wow! So for some reason, it was very, very popular. Maybe it was the dance scene. It might have been. <laughs> I doubt that. I mean, that. It's, it's, it's funny, uh, you know, and I think it, it hit my friend, my best friend Jenny Sykes and I watched this movie when it was on HBO when we were in high school a million times. We watched it all the time. And she wasn't a great big horror fan. It just, it just I think if you were of a certain age mm-hmm. when that movie came out, you know, it just hit you. And, of course, Linnea Quigley yeah, is in we it. Love. And here's something that will warm your heart. Linnea Quigley and special effects artist Steve Johnson met on this film, and they were later married. Nice. And what's really sweet is they met because she had to come in and see him to get the mold for her fake breast done. Oh. <laughs> so that, you know, if that's not right out of a Hallmark card, love still exists. So that's Night of the Demons, 1988. That's number five in our non-franchise Halloween movies. Leading up to number four, just from a few years ago. Well, I guess it's been more than a few now. 2007, a random invitation to a Halloween party lands a man in the hands of a rogue collective intent on murdering him for the sake of their art. Sparking a bloodbath of mishap, mayhem, and hilarity, it's Murder Party. This is the party. We've been planning this for weeks. The invitation said Murder Party. If some jackass is dumb enough to come here, then he deserves to die. Look, I don't think we actually thought someone would be stupid enough to show up. He's a white male. He's perfect. Think beyond splattering blood on canvas. When our masterpiece is complete and the coroner's report is back in, it will read the cause of death. Art. Happy Halloween. Jeremy Sonnier, writer-director here, went on yeah. to be really become one of our favorites, right? Love him. Blue, Blue Ruin. Ruin and then Green Room. Yeah, because Blue Ruin was the first thing we saw from him. Right. And then Green Room. And then we, we went back yeah. to see, at least yeah. I did. You hadn't seen it, had nope, you? I had not. Okay, so nope. we actually saw this one Third. last, mm-hmm. you know, but we love Blue Ruin, love Green Room. And this one doesn't have a color in the title. 
but it's a murder party, and it's perfect because, yeah, it's a Halloween party. It is. And But, you know, and um, if, you, if you're familiar, if you watch these in the order that we do, I think murder party could be a surprise to you because it doesn't really have sort of those thumbprints that, that the, the color movies do. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a comedy, and it's a funny one, and it's, it's obviously made for very, very little money. Uh, and that shows periodically, but it's very well put together, and it's about a group of art students who put out flyer invitations to a murder party, and each one of them has come up with their own diabolical way to kill whoever shows up, you know, artistically, so that they can get this grant from Alexander. Alexander has a grant to give. And uh, and then this, this lonesome guy, this loser guy, he finds... He's happy to get invited to a party. Right, even though it's just a flyer that he found, like, floating down the street. Right, so right there you feel he's kind of sympathetic because he's a loser, he's a sad sack, and he wants to go to a Halloween party. And he's made himself a a knight in shining armor costume out of, you know, cardboard boxes and duct tape. And immediately they tie him up, and then you've got all of these pretentious art types each debating how to kill him and then, you know, bumbling. And, and I hope I'm not giving anything away. But, I mean, my favorite part is, and it's actually Macon Blair, who is in all of Jeremy Saunier's movies. He's going to just burn his face off with acid. And it's vinegar because he just misread the label. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's just very clever and funny. But at the same time, it's not, it, it does poke fun at sort of the artsy type. But it's also very sympathetic to that type you know i mean it's not it's not mean-spirited regardless of the fact that on the one hand it's got this lonesome loser on the other hand it's got these pretentious art student types not even types that's what they are but also one of the things i love are the costumes that the art students are wearing because the one guy he's a baseball player but if you look closely he's actually one of the warriors from the the movie right right and then of course the main female exactly the main female is dressed like uh, daryl hannah's character from blade runner Mm. it's just fun and it's one of those it gives away every now and then that it is a first effort because it's about an hour in it's one of those movies where oh there's the boom mic yeah Uh, (laughs) okay (laughs) it was my first effort but you know that happens every now and then but yeah it's a lot of fun you know, sometimes even in movies like this that aren't the greatest and there has weaknesses, you can still tell the director there's something here. Yeah, absolutely. There's talent here, yeah. and it's going to pay off. It's going to come to fruition, and boy, it sure did. Just in, in the next movie, Blue Ruin, he made a tremendous leap, really. Oh, my God. From from this to Blue Ruin, and then Green Room just brought it home. So if you want to go back and, and watch him in that order as we did, check out Murder Party from 2007. Number four in our non-franchise Halloween horror films. Moving up to number three, one that we've talked about a few times, even showed it on Fright Club Live uh, here just a couple of months ago. Two death-obsessed sisters, outcasts in their suburban neighborhood, must deal with the tragic consequences when one of them is bitten by a deadly werewolf. From 2000, it's Ginger Snaps. All it takes is one night and one bite. Let's get out of here. Ginger's changing. How do you feel? Wicked. They're just being normal teenage girls. Yeah, we did this one live just a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, is for sisters, Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously this has two sisters. And it's another one we've talked about, too, um, mainly for feminist horror, because it's got some great themes, great strong female characters, Mm -hmm. and it's a case where 
the metaphor is strong. It is. The curse, as yeah. you said many yeah. times. I'll let you talk about that. But uh, it is. It's 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 well done, and it's one where actually spawned how many sequels? Two sequels. Two, two sequels mm-hmm. that I haven't seen, but you said they're pretty decent. Yes, they are. Actually, yeah. both of them are. So this has a lot of things going for it that bring us back to talk about it for different reasons. Right. But here, it's because... It's got the Halloween angle. Yeah, because the whole thing takes place during Halloween week, and you can just tell from the, you know... The, High um, school. Yeah, the decorations, and then it all leads up to a costume party, which is lucky, you know, for Ginger, because she can just go as a werewolf, <laughs> which <laughs> is fortunate. Because that's so, what she's turning exactly. into. Boy, that costume looks great. <laughs> it really does. Um, and it's funny, so Mimi Rogers plays the mom, who, and she is so good in this movie. She's, she's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. But she's always got, like, the jack-o'-lantern, like, earrings and, you know, like, the scrunchie in her hair that's yeah. all orange just and black. Just cheeseball suburban oh God, mom perfect. and it's just perfect. makes fun of it in, in such a way that, of course, you get the perfect teenage girls that just roll their eyes at how lame she is. And she's wearing the mom jeans that are somehow, I think, coming back in style. Yeah, I'm but just going to whole... say it. I'm going to say it. I've texted it before. I'm going to say it out loud. High-waisted pants flatter no one. Yeah. Well, they're back. So... Guess what you're getting for Christmas. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) that's a hilarious part of it as they really set that nice division between the lame-o adults and the kids that are just bored by everything. And then the the sisters are social outcasts until the one sister gets the curse. And then all of a sudden, ooh, she's she's a hot face around school, and the other sister is a little bit put off by that. It's funny. So Karen Walton wrote this, and it's such an incredibly clever screenplay. And you you would really almost think that, that the metaphor could be carried a little bit too far because so Ginger is bitten on the day of her period. The day of her first period, she's been, so as, as you said, the curse, yeah. right? And so, and it changes everything. And and all of a sudden, men are flocking around her, and all of a sudden, she hates herself, and all of a sudden, she and her sister are not as close as they used to be, and uh, she becomes self-destructive. But it, they really use the metaphor really, really well. Also, the it's like the entire screenplay is built on these hilarious puns and turns of phrase. There are some great announcements over the loudspeaker, and the, <laughs> you know are, yeah. it's such a it's such a savvy, funny horror comedy with a lot to say, and a really insightful high school movie. And as we said before, uh, one of the voices doing the loudspeaker announcements is Lucy Lawless. That's right. And the director is John Fawcett, and he kept to practical effects. Didn't want to use CGI. Looking at them now, okay, they're pretty hokey. So really, you look at how many years it's been. It's been seventeen years, and that's. In practical effects years, that's a lot of years. It is, yeah. There's been a lot of technological advances since then. And he kept to the practical stuff, the American werewolf in London type stuff. Yep, yep, yep. And it shows, but it's, I have a, I have a soft spot for practical effects. I I know, I know that you do. Actually, I think that, um, you know, werewolf, it's the prosthetics that usually kill, derail movies like this. And I don't think they're too bad here, to be honest with you. Well, at the very, very end, mm, when it turns into bit, the yeah, full, yeah, yeah. yeah, it gets it gets a little bit. But, but you, I respect that for keeping to those type of those type of effects. And it's funny that it, this movie really, really did well all around the world, except for the U.S. It had trouble getting a foothold in the U.S. mainly because I think it could be seen in some circles as promoting vi- teenage violence, which it, it, was coming it was, to. 
yeah, in the exactly. headlines. Yeah. There were a number of films in the in the mid two thousands that wound up having their release dates pushed back because right. of one high school shooting or another. Yeah. And this was one. It came out in two thousand and then it really got a foothold where just a couple of years later HBO started airing it and then it started to get more of a lot more well known, especially in horror circles. Mm-hmm. So that is number three in our non-franchise Halloween horror countdown. You know what? It, it's funny, too, because one that we would have loved to put on this list is one that we just saw for the Nightmares Film Festival. As we were going through, we were helping to judge some of the features, which was great, by the way. And we really loved one of them that made the festival, and it's called Three Dead Trick-or-Treaters. But there's really no way for you to see the movie right now unless you're checking out film festivals. So uh, we just want to give it a mention because it was it's really well done, and hopefully it'll find a wider distribution here before too long. I hope so. Yeah, I agree with you. It was my favorite. It was my favorite film I at think, the festival, yeah. which was, there was some hard competition there. It was, yeah, a great, it was I, so much fun. And you know what? Before we do anything else, we need to congratulate our friend Jason Tostepin and Chris Hamill for doing such a crazy great job, not just at programming it, but the entire event, like down to every detail, was just run so beautifully. Exactly right. And Rachel, the up in the booth, you <gasps> oh know, taking God, care yeah. of the technically a fantastic job. Everybody at the Gateway Film Center, it was just a just and such Bridget, a great our friend film Bridget, festival. who does so much, Bridget but she runs Adam. all the volunteers and yeah. oh Adam, right. The other and our was, other judge Adam. Yeah, and part of it was getting to meet so many of these filmmakers and actors and actresses, people involved in these movies, and we just had so such great conversation. You know, that's part of the, the beauty of probably all film festivals, but I know especially this one, is getting the community together. And we got to speak to filmmakers like James Quinn from Flesh of the Void and uh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Remess from yeah, Romeo's, Romeo's Distress. Distress. That's a cool Love one. Love that one. The whole, well, one of the highlights of the festival, they had the world premiere of Rock Paper Dead, right? Which is the new movie from Tom Holland. Right, and co-written by Victor Miller. You got your picture with him. Yeah, I did. You who, stalked him, by I the way. I stalked him a little bit. Bridget and <laughs> Adam wrote, helped us find it. Friday the 13th. He wrote Friday the 13th. And, so. uh, and he co-wrote this uh, with Carrie Fleming, who was nice enough to talk to us as well. Uh, Jennifer Titus, I got a chance to actually interview her in advance of the festival, and then I got a chance to meet her and also producer Amy Williams their uh, day of. They were just lovely. They were great, great people. And so that was one of the main highlights of the festival, because that, that movie, as I said, had its world like red carpet premiere yeah. there, which was fantastic. Yeah. And, of course, Brooklyn Ewing was back with the sequel. Last year, she won Best Director for She Was So Pretty. And this year, Brooklyn and her star, Jerry, who's Alfie, uh, came back with the sequel, which I liked even better. She Was So Pretty too. Be Good for Goodness Sake, that won Brooklyn another award. This year, she got Best Cinematography. So congratulations to all the winners. Good stuff all around. Uh, we also... One of the shorts we loved. Oh, so great. L- Lunch Ladies. So great. We got a chance to talk to director uh, Josh Logan. And then uh, the screenwriter who won an award at the festival, Clarissa. Well, they won Best Comedy Horror Short. Yeah, that's uh, a great Jameson, one. Yeah, that's a great one. Such w- a great one. Keep an eye out for that, Lunch Ladies, because you know yeah. it's going to make the rounds pretty soon. Eventually, you'll be able to find it online, Lunch Ladies. And then we so also uh, liked a really creepy short film called Compulsion. Brian Sapanzik, the filmmaker there, and really liked that short. So there's there's so much great stuff out there. I had such a good time meeting all these new people. And actually, one of the filmmakers we already knew, one of the filmmakers from here in Columbus, Mike Olenek, he won Best Cinematography on a short for his short film, The Cure. And it was funny because he said he was he was forced to be the director of photography when he lost his DP. And uh, it turned out to be a happy accident because he got an award. So congrats to him, too. 
And please, if you can put it on your calendar for next year, we'd love to have you come in to the Nightmares Film Festival. Once again, Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. Don't have the dates yet for next year, but we'll get them to you as soon as we have them. But, but if you're a filmmaker, Film Freeway submissions are already open. Exactly right. Submissions are already open. This thing, it's only the second year, but I'm telling you, this is really the horror film festival to put on on your uh, on your radar. So please check it out. It was fantastic. So again, congrats to everybody. Thanks to everybody that came out. And we'll move on in our countdown and go moving up to number two, non-franchise Halloween horror films. A lonely young woman is traumatized by a difficult childhood and her increasingly desperate attempts to connect with the people around her is sent into a murderous tailspin. From 2002, it's called May. So what do you do, May? I work at the animal hospital. When I left for vacation, my dog had four legs. Now, she only has three. You can't sew it back on, can you? I could. Crazy bitch! Actually, I kind of liked it. Does this stuff freak you out? Nothing freaks me out. Do you feel weird doing this? If you can't find a friend, make one. What you reading about? Amputation. <laughs> yes, we've talked about this one before as well. We have. It's a good one. It's, it's a favorite. It's such a good one. Again, it's another one like Ginger Snaps that the action is just sort of leading toward Trick-or-treat night, Halloween party night, which right. gives uh, May the opportunity to dress up and seem less out of place carrying weapons and dragging that big refrigerator behind her. <laughs> That's true. So Angela Bettis is an absolute gift in this movie. She's so magnificent as the the title character, a very awkward, socially sort of awkward <laughs> veterinary assistant with a lazy eye who just wants to make a connection with somebody but but can't. And Jeremy Sisto, also excellent, plays the guy who thinks he likes weird till he gets to know May. That's right. What do we call him? My foot hurts. That's right. We've got to say it because he was in <laughs> Clueless. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know that we call him My Foot Hurts because he's got that scene in Clue where he just he needs to get out of the get out of the class. He puts his hand up. My foot hurts. So Anna Ferris also spectacular in this movie. So yes. fun. So great. But the but the the movie leads toward she's just desperate for a friend. She decides to make one, and then she goes out on Halloween night with this big cooler behind her, and she just takes bits and pieces from everybody. You know, some of them are dressed like a nurse or dressed right. like a whatever, and and uh, and it's uh, it leads to it starts off as as sort of a wallflower blossoming into something special, but that's not where uh, writer director Lucky McKee is going to go. And it does get a bit gory, it does, but for the most part, it isn't. The most part, it's it's just tender and painful. But lovely. And originally, you mentioned the opening. Originally, there was a lot more in the beginning about her childhood. There was a lot more backstory of bringing, bringing the complete full circle, I guess, into why she was lonely, why she was an outcast. But the running time got a little bit too much. They had to chop that up. We're done and do a much quicker intro. But I don't really think it hurts the film that much because as we have talked about many times in a horror film, you don't always need the backstory. No. I'm opposed to, I don't, I don't, generally, I don't care for origin stories. We're going to have to do a whole origin stories podcast now. That's going to come up. Just like <laughs> when I used to complain about found footage, then we had to do a found footage podcast. Because but, it's, it's funny, a lot of times in non-horror movies, that can hurt. You need more backstory. Uh, a lot of times that can hurt a, a film, but you don't always need to know why. In fact, many times, as you say, it's better not to know why the killer, the crazy person, drove, what drove them to madness. You no. know what? You 
it's 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 scarier if you don't know. Yes, a lot of times it is. If they're just walking chaos and you can't figure it out. I mean, I I personally I find that scarier. They they do show a little bit of her childhood and a little bit of her mom's very uptight way and and. She has a doll that's her one and only friend, but she's not allowed to touch it. And, it, I mean, it, we see enough of it to, to make us very tender, you know, for this poor character and to, to really sort of legitimize this longing that she has. Because Angela Bettis is a lovely, lovely woman. So I suppose with none of that, you just wonder to yourself, well, how did she get this way? Because look at her. She's, she's lovely. I, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. But she her performance is magnificent. It's just one of my favorite like horror anti-heroes, this character. And you mentioned this is filmmaker Lucky McKee. There's one part in this movie, there's a teenage girl who asks May, got any cold ones in there? She's dressed up as a zombie cheerleader, and that is the exact same costume and makeup from Lucky McKee's very first movie, All Cheerleaders Die. Yeah, that was his 2001 film that he remade in 2013. Brought back a little bit of that first one in that uh, in that little scene. That's number two, May from 2002 on our non-franchise Halloween horror list, horror list countdown. So moving up to number one. Have we talked about this one before on the countdown? I'm not sure we have on the I'm podcast. I'm not sure we have. Mm-hmm. We well, have a topic coming out. up that people have been complaining we haven't done yet, and it's bound to make that one. <laughs> but I'm not sure we've talked about it before. That's, yeah, that's a little bit of a clue. Five interwoven stories that occur on Halloween. So anthology, anyone? <laughs> From 2007, we just recently got up close and personal with one of the stars, Trick or Treat. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. This is the one night that all sorts of things... Roam free. Look at me. It's not a trick. It's real. <laughs> Who do we get up close and personal with? Oh, come on. We were down. Sam, the little pumpkin oh. head guy. Yeah, you got your picture with him down I at uh, Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights, which, by the way, if you ever get a chance to do that, it, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, Universal Studios. Universal and they just, they Studios just close down, and it's nothing but uh, but haunted houses, haunted houses, and um, a bunch of scare zones. Yeah, which is where they had one of the scare zones that you just walk through. Yeah. you don't have to wait in line or anything like a haunted house. And one of them had a bunch of little Sams yeah, yeah, running yeah. around, and you had to kind of track them down. They didn't always want to have your have their picture with you. No, you had to kind of stay after them. But you got one, and that was a lot of fun. And he's. He's a, a main thread of this anthology horror movie, Trick or Treat, which we had a lot of fun with. So Michael Doherty wrote and directed it. He's from Columbus. Yay. And I've had a chance to interview him a couple times. This movie is just so beautiful. You it, know? It look, it's, yeah, you're you right. Know, and, 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 and I think it's pretty common for, uh, especially for sort of short anthologies, to have that comic book look about them. Because very, very often that's what they're based on. Tales from the Crypt and Tales from the Dark Side. And, you know, um, uh, a lot of those kind of things that uh, they sort of pull from images from comic books. But I don't think anybody has really articulated that look nearly as beautifully as he does with this movie. You're right. It, it looks it looks great. And it's, guys, we said, it's an anthology, all types of these different stories that... Yep got a twist at the end where it kind of ties one together which we won't give away of course no they're all i mean so sam, sam shows up yeah. all the time but no i mean uh the you know the there's so dylan baker 
who is <laughs> I love Dylan Baker so much ever since happiness because he's a that guy he's a that guy but and and he plays a, a principal and he shows up in a different story and then you know there's the uh, there's the bus crash story which mm-hmm. is a good one and then the kids come back in another story and then yeah I mean they really are they are all tied together well, and another way they're tied together is some of the characters the different characters from the different segments are in the background yeah. of the other segments. Yeah, so are. they are. That you have that. It's really just clever because it's yeah. not a very big. It's obviously it's a fairly small town Halloween night, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you. So you that's see one them of the ways it's, they're yeah, all yeah. tied together. But yeah, it's uh, you, you're right. It looks fantastic, and you, you mentioned the school bus massacre revisited. That's mm-hmm. the title of one of them. Mm-hmm. In that, it's a 1958 Plymouth Fury. From the movie Christine, that is used, and that's a, there's a few nods to oh. other oh, horror sure. staples, and yes. that is just one of them. So yeah. it's all the way around. It's very cleverly put together, and this is one of the ones, honestly, that I ended up liking much more than I thought I would. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not well again because I, as, a, as generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of anthology horror. So usually I kind of go into them a little bit reluctantly. I was just blown away right from the beginning with how just gorgeous the movie looks, but also the cast is so stacked. Yeah, now, you Brian remember, Cox. I know. I mean, everybody remembers Anna Paquin, Anna Paquin. from it, and of course Del- Dylan Baker. And if you remember Brett Kelly, who's Thurman Merman, he might not mean anything to anybody else, but we love Thurman, Thurman Merman. Merman. Yeah, Brian Cox, Leslie Bibb. It's not just that they're they're relatively big names. They're very, very good actors. And yeah. it's not the kind of... And some of them are... Uh, Leslie Bibb tends to be comedic, right? And mm-hmm. Dylan Baker, of course, is, is indie and, and Brian Cox does everything. I think they just bring a good, solid, just rich sort of performance style to the movie. and um, And then also... I think a lot of times in these kind of films, you'll get two or three good shorts and then two... Ugh, I think every every single one of these is such a fun, creepy, clever short film. Yeah. And again, like you say, visually and also in the writing, the way that he does weave them all together just makes it a very satisfying Halloween night. It went through a lot of name changes before it settled on the final version. It was called Season's Greetings, but then everybody thought, well, that sounds Christmas. too much like a Christmas movie. It went through Halloween Terrors, Jack-O-Lantern Tales, October the 31st, and then Trick or Treat. There was already a movie called Trick the or Treat. So they had, yeah, the Ozzy Osbourne one. So they had to change it to Trick or Treat, and they settled on that. So that's one that we enjoyed. And yeah, when we finally, if when, we finally get around to doing anthology horror, I'm guessing this one is going to make another appearance. But for now, number one on our list of non-Halloween franchise Halloween movies <laughs> from 2007 Trick or Treat. So let us know if you got some ideas about what should or should not have been on this list. Chime in. Easiest way to do that is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, or anything else we've got going on. I know we talked about a lot of different things. Maybe if you have questions about the Nightmares Film Festival. Or if you or, went, you want to tell us how much you liked it? Yeah, please, please get in touch. Also, our Facebook page is Mad Wolf Columbus. Same for Instagram and the main website, of course, madwolf.com, where you can catch the written reviews of all the new films that come out and a bunch of horror fun. And speaking of, if you want to keep up to date on the latest new movies that are out every week, that's our other podcast that we do called The Screening Room. And you can find that either on our website at madwolf.com. It's also got its own independent website, which is thescreeningroompodcast.com. So right now you can hear how much we did not like The Snowman. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the current episode. But a lot of different ways to get in touch. As I said, thanks to everybody that came out last month for The Greasy Strangler. Thanks for everything, everybody involved. 
with Nightmares Film Festival. That was fantastic. And uh, we look forward to the next Fright Club Live. Yep. November the 8th, Wednesday, Gateway Film Center. We're going to talk about Middle Eastern horror, and we're going to show the absolutely amazing Big Bad Wolves. Love to see you there. So until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. And happy Halloween. This is Halloween.